0: The following content is not suitable for children,
1: so gee, we have to understand how love and connection, sort of like how it all gets going and how it you know works between us. and I know there's really good solid research about this, so we're not just pulling this out of a hat, right? Yeah. I mean we are we've studied, we're grounded in in what is actually working for couples. So help us as we get started, like what can you tell us about love?
0: Yeah, I love how you – we're not pulling the of a hat. This is not something a Hallmark card. We're just hoping, feel good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is hard science behind mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't work. And I think we more we arm ourselves with that knowledge – the easy it is for us to you know, resist these cultural messages like we shouldn't be emotional. We shouldn't do these things. We should be these long ranger that goes off and does her own thing. Right? Mm-hmm. There are times where we need to do that. But the yes. most effective way to have a successful life is to have strong relationships. That's right. undeniable. The research is across the board saying the same thing. So let's talk about some of these studies that are informing what we're doing. Okay. All right. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy.
1: I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist.
0: And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist.
1: We are here to talk about sex.
0: Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts.
1: And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G?
0: Listen, and let's change some relationships. Which got first? I think, you know, Ed Tronics work, it's pretty famous in psychology, trying to look at what happens, what he calls the still face experiment. And it, what's so cool is everywhere you go on this planet, regardless of cultures, when you take a, a parent and a child and you do this experiment, the child does the same thing in every experiment, which shows these simple ways of protecting ourselves. Exactly. Right? So what they, Ed has the parent do is interact with the kid. This place of attunement, they're enjoying each other, they're connected, they're smiling, they're laughing, all this good stuff. And then the Ed says, all right, I want you to go still, parent, which just means don't show any expression. Take out your phone, don't engage, disconnect from your child and see what happens. And immediately kids are like, what just happened there? And they start to go into action. They start to protest. They try to get that parent to re-engage, come back. If the parent doesn't re engage, they start to like, in that distress, they don't know what to do. They start to disconnect. They start to shut down. They start to turn away. They start to, you know, to hide themselves to deal with the distress. And then they, you know, they start to kind of give up and just detach. So you see those fight or flight responses in every child on this planet protest, pursue, shut down, withdraw. I just watched this, I
1: watched it with my kids. We were talking about, you know, what happens when attachment is broken. Right. And when the mother doesn't look at the child, the baby immediately knows. We didn't even think babies were that attuned. Yeah. Like before this research, we didn't realize that attachment was so much a part of the child at that early age. And as soon as the mother's face goes still— The baby plays all the games that it normally does. You know, it points, you know, hoping the mother will look where it points because Mm -hmm. that's what it's used to doing. It coos, it screeches, you know, and then the baby eventually just completely disintegrates, you know, and starts crying. And, you know, I don't know what to do. I can just sense, and it happens in less than a minute. Yep. And that sense of broken attachment. Like you said, it happens in children, and we feel it in our partners. Exactly. You know, we know when our partner's connected or not connected to us. It's like when your partner comes in the room, and maybe as an anxiously attached person, I can sense something's off, you know, because my nervous system worries about that and gets a little frantic about it. Like, I immediately know he's not looking at me. What's wrong? Something's wrong. It might be really just what he's going through. Yep. You know, and if I were secure, I could just rest in, you know, oh, you know, something's going on with my husband. But, you know, I, I know, and I think all of us know when our partner or close friend or close relationship, when they're not connected, we sense immediately something's off.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what Edtronics helps us to see is they're basically these three states. When we're in that state of connection or attunement, you know, you see the positive affect, the warmth, the connection, the laughter, all the curiosity, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. When we lose that connection and it breaks and we're in disconnection, you see the negative affect, the protest, the avoidance, the shutting down, the fear, the anger, all that negative emotion is just a sign of disconnection. And that third state is that ability to repair, to go from disconnection back into repair. I mean, back into connection. And this is where most of us are getting stuck because if you can't repair, In the still face experiment, you see the mom picks the kid up and starts playing again, and there is a repair.
1: It's all better. Right? But it's it's painful to watch. It's painful to watch. Go go Google it. Still face experiment. It's painful.
0: And if it keeps happening and becomes consistent, it's (laughs) going to get harder and harder to repair. But that ability to repair, and this is now dovetailing into John Gottman's work. John Gottman just studies couples 24 hours a day in a love lab. He videotapes what they do. How do they fight? How do they make up? And he's just a mathematician who codes all those behaviors. And he spits out numbers. What what works? What doesn't work? And this is the difference between master and disaster couples. It's one thing, that ability to repair. Mm -hmm. It's not love. It's not trust. I mean, all these things are important. But can you, after a fight, repair? Because if you can't, that means the distance and the mistrust is going to grow. I don't care how much you love your partner. If you can't repair, right. you're in trouble. And right. this is the main problem with most couples we see is a failure to repair, which in the College of Love, Lori, is what we're going to teach you to do.
1: Right. We're going to teach you how to repair because you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to come from perfect places. Nope. You know, I I remember somebody telling me, marry somebody, Lori, who has good parents, has loving parents, who has all these qualities. And I'm like, oof, I'm not on that list, (laughs) you know? I I didn't come from that. You know, so it doesn't matter where you come from or what attachment style you are. There is always a possibility of getting to security, secure attachment. And how you do that is learning this trick. How do you repair?
0: How do you repair? And just to reiterate what Lori's saying, this isn't a choice, You know, we don't choose the families we brought up into. We're not trying to tell people you're doomed if you have insecure attachment styles. It just helped make sense why you protest a lot or why you walk away. And if you could identify that, you can change it. You could learn you need your partner's help. It's hard to clap with one hand, right? But that's this ability to repair is going to be critical in doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: John Gottman also talks about when couples are in better places, they compliment each other three times more than they criticize, right? It's just good information. So if you find yourself fighting all the time, bickering all the time, the ratio is probably five to one criticism to ratio. It's hard to repair in that environment, Yeah. right? It's more just more numbers we're throwing at you.
1: But this is, no, this is really important. I don't want to go past that research because it creates such a positive environment, right? If your partner is always saying nice things to you, you know and then they they gotta add a little correction or you yeah. know, a little feedback that's not so great, but there's this climate of they like me, you know, I do well, I'm succeeding with them, I'm not failing, you know, I can take in that they need an adjustment here or there, and so that repair piece is easier
0: There's nothing like love to grow people, yeah when someone believes in you, you can do some mighty things. When you don't have that, the world's a more challenging place, right? Which is helpful to be in a, in a time where we can actually see in the brain live what's happening. Polyvagal theory by Stephen Porges helps us to see like these three different brain states. When people are in secure attachment, when they're feeling safe, they're in a green zone. This is where that ventral vagal nerve is running a show. We feel safe. We want to connect. We're playful, curious, empathetic, loving, comforting, reassuring. All the great things that are happening are happening when people are in these green zones of being safe. But notice when, when they get threatened, they leave that dream brain into that sympathetic yellow fight or flight response. This isn't a choice right? If you criticize me and that hurts and that's a threat, my brain goes into this sympathetic fight or flight response. And what's interesting about a yellow brain is we're not good partners. We don't hear, we don't take on the perspective of another. We It's all about us and our own survival, mm-hmm. right? So when you get two people in a yellow brain, guess what? They don't repair. They're in defensive states. They fall into predictable patterns, which we'll talk a lot about. And if they continue to stay there, they can actually then drop into a red zone, which is a parasympathetic dorsal vagal nerve response, freeze response.
1: Say that three times yeah, fast. Yeah, well,
0: that, that's really tricky because we have no sense of agency. We can't fight the threat. We can't get away from the threat. So we're just stuck. We're helpless, hopeless. This is where nasty stuff happens in relationships.
1: This is where I see red.
0: This is where you see right, red. Right,
1: and I'm going to be en- enraged. Enraged. And both people, we've talked in other episodes about pursuers and yeah. withdrawers. Both of them can go into red brain and become enraged.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and it helps people take it less personal when they recognize, hey, this is not such a choice. And my brain moves so fast when I'm threatened into these protective states. How can I help my partner feel safer so we can have a more productive conversation? Right. Right. So using science, using this theory of love to make sense of what's not working makes it easier to get back into that place where you can repair, right? Repair <laughs> happens in a green brain when people can empathize and see each other's perspective. Most couples are trying to repair in yellow brains where usually it's not going to work and it just makes for more defensiveness and more distance. Yeah.
1: We got to calm down. We got to get into green brain. Yeah. Right? Both of us.
0: Another research I want to talk about is Jim Cohn at the University of Virginia. He does this really great experiment where he's looking at what happens to the brain in real time when threat happens. Mm. So in this experiment, he took women, I guess, because they're braver. These are women in relationships that they reported were good relationships. And they basically put them in this fMRI machine. And if you've been in one of those machines, Lori, they're pretty damn loud, claustrophobic, dark. I mean, they're pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. But to make it worse, what he said is when you're in that machine and you see a red X flash, you have a 20% chance of being shocked on your ankle. So he wanted to look at like what actually happens in real time when the X happens, when there's a threat, what does the brain do, right? So he did three iterations of this experiment that he mixed up. The wife was alone in the machine. The wife was in the machine and a lab assistant, a stranger was holding her hand and the wife was in the machine and her partner holding her hand. Mm. So, you know, same X, same exact thing. I would think the brain would look the same in all three, totally different. Wife's alone in a machine, here comes the X. What do you think happens to her brain? Red brain. Red brain, <laughs> flooded. To, 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 when yeah. the pain Scare. comes, it's described as intense. Ah. Right. Stranger holding her hand. Here comes the X. Moderate reactivity. Yeah. Doesn't go red, but it's it still lights up. Right. We need connection
1: even with people that, you know, we don't necessarily share love relationships with. Yeah. We still feel that human touch and that feels good exactly
0: and here comes the pain it is described as uncomfortable hmm. not intense like it was alone but it is uncomfortable partner holding her hand here comes the x hardly any reactivity in the brain hmm. and when the pain comes it's almost non-existent wow this is slight again look at how the brain codes the threat is influenced by the state of the relationship yeah Right? I hope some of you are like, what? This makes no sense. How the brain perceives threat is heavily influenced if we're in connection or we're alone. We were not designed to deal with threat alone. As a firefighter, I didn't want to crawl into a fire alone. No one had a team with me. And there was a mission that allowed me to kind of override those fear responses. Mm-hmm. When you're alone facing those things, it's a lot harder to do.
1: Yeah. When we face the world together, it becomes manageable. Yeah. Even difficult situations.
0: It's, and it's cool to see that, you know, the heavy influence on attachment and connection on things that we think are pretty individual and separate. Like how I see a challenge, how does that influence by my partner? Big time influence by the state of your relationship. So let's come right back from break and let's talk about this more in the sexual side.
1: Ooh, okay. I was hoping we'd talk about sex. Valentine's Day is coming, and I know you all are looking for unique gifts, Cozy Earth Sheets. Oh my gosh. I have got Cozy Earth Sheets on my bed. You know what I call these sheets. They are the take your clothes off, be naked sheets. I am really saying something when I say these luxury goods will transform your lifestyle. They are made from responsibly sourced bamboo. All products come with a 10-year warranty. Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulating. So I am warm in the winter and my husband can sleep on them and still stay cool. Also, Cozy Earth has loungewear that is beautiful. It feels elegant. It has a lovely fit. And it is the softest pajamas that you would ever want to wear. And my husband thinks they are pretty sexy too. Go to CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for our listeners: the Foreplay Fam up to thirty-five percent off site-wide when you use the code Foreplay. Beautiful goods, my favorite, Cozy Earth sheets. Think about this for Valentine's Day. Addie. Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy or flibanserin is FDA approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. So if you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today. Go to Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I dot
2: com. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy, even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addy. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, Difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep and dry mouth. See full PI and medication guide, including box warning at Addy.com forward slash PI or call 844 pink pill.
1: Go to Addy.com and use the code foreplay for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if addie is right for you. Once again, I still have subscriptions that I have recently subscribed to that didn't really want and I forgot about them. But thanks to Rocket Money, I now know where the money is going and I am able to stop those unnecessary subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. I see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money can take care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash foreplay. That's rocketmoney.com slash foreplay. Rocketmoney.com slash foreplay. Uber lube. It's a luxury lubricant can you say that three times fast uber lube luxury lubricant you know basically it's pure silicone bliss it is made from superior ingredients it has skin soothing vitamin e and it goes on just like natural moisture and it lasts a long time there's no drip their glass bottles are truly beautiful you can leave them on your bedstand. i do no problem nobody notices and it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation and it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag, you can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try Uberlube, the silicone lubricant at uberlube.com. Use the code foreplay for 10% off. Really? It is the best lubricant on the
0: market. So I did tease you a little bit there, Lori.
1: You did. I You know. are always teasing I'm me. I'm going to have
0: to make you wait for sex. No. What are going to
1: Okay, go I'm ahead. cruel like
0: that. But I, I did want to mention Dennis Prophet's work because, again, it's showing more than just people's opinions on love. It's showing what's happening in the body that responds to it. Mm. So in this experiment, he takes students and he has them – put a backpack on and look at this tall hill on campus and just take a couple steps. They think they're going up the hill. So he's like, all right, put on the backpack, take take a walk. They take seven steps and he stops them. And he says, okay, let me take your blood. Mm. They're alone going up that hill or they're with somebody else, a partner or a friend going up the hill. Same hill, same backpack. They only take seven steps should there be any different? Yeah. Huge difference. Oh, my gosh. Their blood is burning seven times more glucose when they're alone versus when they're with somebody else. Mm. So, again, how their brain is perceiving a challenge and a threat, it is so much more difficult alone than when we're in a relationship. I'm, this de- is I'm right.
1: definitely exercising alone though after this, this well, talk, just for the record.
0: You burn seven seven times the calories. Wow, that's a spin I didn't think about. <laughs> you know? Holy moly, this could be this could revolutionize <laughs> working out. Yes. Okay, no, go keep going, G. No, no, that's again, it's we're having fun with this, but just to look at, you know, this isn't just like when i enjoying our partner. Like The impact of that relationship on every challenge we face is so heavily influenced by that state. We don't have to take all these resources. That's what we call down-regulating. When you have a threat and you have to deal with it on your own, it's a lot of work. It's energetically Mm -hmm. costly. But when you're in a relationship and you're feeling safe, a lot of threats aren't Mm -hmm. threats. Yep. Right? And it's a big thing. But let's talk about shift this towards that sexual cycle. Right. And again, a sexual is another way of connecting.
1: Yes. Peggy Peggy, Kleinplatz basically really thought about who how do you get the best sex?
0: Mm.
1: Who has the best sex? I think, you know, many of us growing up remember maybe hot sex before we got married. And it's like, ah, you know, is there going to be that again, or is married sex just partnered sex over the long haul gonna be duller and duller and duller? But she actually showed The couples who are deeply connected and in long-term relationships have the best sex, Mm. and that kind of sex is is where people invite each other into their erotic minds. They share their fantasies, they share their desires, and they get to this place even of spiritual merger. Yeah, you know, they're so deeply connected in their bodies and their souls, uh, which is incredibly beautiful. And I think that. Secure attachment, these people have the most different kinds of sex. They enjoy like a a repertoire of all kinds of acts and fun, and you know, they'll try new things and it doesn't freak them out. If their partner wants to do something that they don't want to do, they, you know, they're up for adventure.
0: Yeah. Overall, I I love how these different research intertwine with each other, right? And what Peggy Kleinplatz is saying is they they can repair. They're not so afraid of taking risks, right? right? They can can communicate. You have to be a good communicator to repair. If I'm afraid that you're going to reject me and I'm not going to take a risk, then I lose that part of me. I can't access it and the levels of engagement go down.
1: Right. If I can't tell my partner what I want in bed, I'm stifled. Yes. You know, and, and I'm backed up. And so, let alone the relationship itself is going to be duller and duller and duller. I think it was David Schnarch who was a, a sexual researcher as well, uh, and he said a lot of couples they come together and their repertoire is pretty big, but over time that you know they just notice when they bring something up, their partner kind of looks away or has a, a you know makes a little bit of a face. They don't know why. They don't talk about it. Yeah. But they're like, okay, I'm going to lop off this end of what I'm going to ask for. And then our partner lops off the other end of what they're asking for. And pretty soon we're doing this little bit of vanilla sex stuff that nobody's all that interested in, you know, and and we shorten our repertoire.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the secret to any relationship is based on the quality of engagement. And what happens with these defensive states is the levels of engagement go down. And when you can't repair it, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. So we love this research by Cle- Peggy Kleinplatz that's just highlighting the same thing of secure attachment, right? This this theory out there in a the world, you have to have hot sex by novelty and new people and mixing it up. And I'm sure that stuff could be helpful, but great lovers actually because they know each other so well and they can communicate – they can take risks. They can keep it fresh. They can be vulnerable. They can lean on each other. They can be emotional and physical and spiritual. They bring so much into the bedroom. No wonder why they got the best damn sex on the planet.
1: Right. And they let go. You know, they're safe. Mm. They, they're uninhibited. You know, they don't hold back. They, they say whatever. <laughs> so
0: what? I said surrender. surrender.
1: So often we got to be in
0: control in every aspect of our life to have moments of letting go, Right.
1: Yeah, not not having to hold back, not having to pretend, just letting it out. That's so awesome, and and they like all of it. You know, I think sometimes, sometimes who people who are not quite as secure, maybe they like one part or the other. They like just doing it, or they like cuddling. Yeah, but secure lovers like both. You know, they they integrate the affection and the explicitly sexual part of sex all at once. Yeah, you know, maybe not every single time, but their overall their sex life integrates that, and they have this sense of both emotional intimacy and physical ecstasy when they're making love.
0: Mm. Sounds pretty good to me.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's research, George, that begins with children and how they get attached, and how what happens when they don't have right. secure attachment.
0: And just and, for our listeners, I'm sorry, Lou, but again, that's the work of John Bowlby, Mary Ainsworth, all these pioneers looking at parent and child interactions, right? Right, That informs so much of attachment theory. But we need to to expand that theory from the interactions of just parents and kids and start looking at adults doing it with each other, especially right. when we're looking at the sexual cycle.
1: Right. And Hazen and Schaefer basically were the ones who showed that these attachment styles in childhood translate into adulthood. Uh, and that that attachment theory has been expanded. We, nice. we now know that there's an emotional behavioral cycle where we're you know feeling each other's friendship, like we're home with each other. There's a sexual connection, like we've just talked about, where we experience ecstasy and mm-hmm. excitement in the relationship. And there's also a caretaking cycle that, you know, you and I think about the emotional and the caretaking cycle kind of similarly, but that's really loyalty. Like if You know, if you're lost, I'm going to know you're lost and I'm going to come looking for you. So that's what that means. But the new developments in attachment theory, especially with Greet Bernbaum, who we have met in Israel, basically show that the sexual attachment is as important Mm -hmm. as the emotional attachment. We used to think that emotional attachment was more primary because that was what developed first. But now we know in couples that both of them are equally weighted that we need both in order to be successful, to stay in love forever.
0: Right. That's why the next bunch of episodes, we're going to be focusing on taking you all through this model to learn how to repair and strengthen your relationship, not just the emotional cycle, but the sexual cycle. Yeah. Being able to be intentional about both, talking directly into these places that, let's face it, most of us didn't grow up in families doing this, Lori.
1: Right. We didn't. And most of us certainly didn't know anything about sex growing up, right? Not, not about how to keep a sexual relationship alive.
0: My parents had eight kids and never talked once about sex. I just <laughs> thought we were accidents. I don't know what happened.
1: <laughs> At least they did it eight times. Well, My parents only did it three times. <laughs>
0: So it is, it is exciting to know that this, this theory is evolving, right? And now it's focusing on what's happening in attachment. And I love how you're breaking it down into these three different components because the more specific we get, you know, a lot of research is saying specificity makes for better communication. If we're too vague, it's hard to change something. If we can get clearer and more focused, we have more success. So in the attachment, when we talk about this theory of love, We have these three intertwined systems. Yeah. How do I emotionally feel? How do I sexually feel? And this caregiving part that I want to be able to kind of take care of the people I love. A lot of times when we're looking at families, this is what's happening between a parent and a child, but it certainly plays out in all the different dynamics.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, as we talked about it earlier at lunch, G, we were saying, you know, that one thing sort of touches the other thing. Every cycle has an influence and a gravity on the other cycle. Yeah. You know, you can't just feel emotionally secure and not be sexual. Mm-hmm. that That's for most of us, and certainly there are exceptions. But for most of us, that's how we define a romance. It's its emotional connection and sexual connection. And if we're not emotionally connected and we're just sexual, that's probably not a romantic relationship either. It, it might be something, and people separate these things, they have friendships, they have sexual connections that don't include romance or, you know, deep emotional connection. That, that can be separated, but usually by the time we're in a long-term partnership, we want both. You know, we want to feel sexy to our partner and with our partner, and we want to feel like they really love us and get us.
0: We're hoping we're just giving you a taste of all this research, and this is just one millionth of what's out there. Right? But just to get you more interested, go on YouTube, do your own research, check some of this out, see the wealth of information that's all pointing in the same direction. You know, last thing I want to talk about is Naomi Eisenberg's research on rejection, right? When your partner criticizes you, if you look in the brain, it lands exactly in the same place as physical pain. So stepping on a nail or being rejected, exactly the same, it shows us how important relationships are. So when your partner walks away from you and it hurts and you take aspirin, that will help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is, we're made for a relationship. We're talking about this theory of love and all this research to just help people get the buy-in to say, listen, this is the direction we need to go.
1: Yeah. We're committing to help people going forward have the best sex of their lives Mm -hmm. and have the closest relationship that feels safe, but also has breathing room so that they come home to each other and they can go out again and do their thing.
0: Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. So thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Keep it hot.
0: And love better, baby.
1: Okay, so tell us about your cutting edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability?
0: Lori. we just keep pushing it coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer playbook of a which really practical moment by moment moves of what a therapist can use. And you know, we're so focused on what's happening in session enough this talk about theories and these global things we I think most therapists are looking for what do I do in this moment? give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do.
1: That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important.
0: No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. You need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves.
1: Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com.
0: Call in your questions to the Foreplay question voicemail. Dial 833 my foreplay. That's 833-MY, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by Foreplay Media.